0: Alright, welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. It is Tuesday, May 4th, and uh, we're officially in the dead zone of NFL season. Uh, You know, between now, May, and and August, essentially, there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about. Uh, So what I decided to do with this week, to bring the pod back, we are going to do four episodes this week. Um, in each episode, we're going to be taking a look at two divisions um, and see what they've done with their draft, discuss the picks, any trades that have been made, key upgrades, uh, you know, hit where I had guys on my big board, mock drafts that I hit on. Um, so we're going to just take this uh, two divisions at a time. We're going to take a look at the AFC and NFC East today. Uh, we'll probably move on to uh, North tomorrow. South Thursday and West Friday. Why? I don't know, I just picked it that way. So that'll be the order we get things rolling in. Um, then probably after that, gonna be a little dip in in podcasts. Um, you know, until we get closer to the season starting. Not only is there not a lot to discuss, uh, in this time right now, um, but also life is getting busy. I was just able to officially announce today that we will um, that I'm going to be opening up a store here, a retail store down in Nashville, the Spice and Tea Exchange, uh, which has been something in the works for what seems to be almost a half year now. We're just two months away, so a lot of my time is going to be focused into that. Um, And then we'll probably start to pick things up again as we get closer to the regular season. And we'll get back on our three pod a week schedule that will include a betting show with Teddy and a bunch of other stuff. So that's kind of the plan from now uh, until the regular season. Like I said, just just getting out some quick draft blurbs for each team, just taking it by the division and, uh, and then talking through on that. So let's get things started off with the AFC East and then we'll move along to the NFC East. All right, so with the AFC East, I I think it's pretty fair to start off with the New York Jets here, uh, who plain and simple had one of my favorite drafts out of any team in the league uh, this past week. Of course, starting it off at number two with the pick we've known for months now, Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. Uh, Not my second ranked quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. I still prefer Justin Fields, and we'll get to him later on in this episode. But Zach Wilson was still, to me, a top 10 player. Let me check the final big board where I had him, actually. Uh, He finished as my number six overall player just behind Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts, Justin Fields, Jamar Chase, and Penny Sewell. I still had a first-round grade on him, uh, an upper-tier first-round grade as well, too. Um, So, look, yeah, I would have preferred Justin Fields, and for Jets fans, it'll be a little bit scary to have to watch and kind of wait to make sure that you guys did make the right selection here because, uh, you know, Justin Fields is, you know, undoubtedly a, a very strong talent. I do believe Zach Wilson will have a lot of success in the NFL. And not only just do I love that pick, but Joe Douglas came out and he said it to to Zach Wilson when he was selected. Look, you're not going to have to carry this team. This team is going to be able to carry you. And they did exactly that following the pick, trading up to number 14 overall to take Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman out of USC, left guard for the next 10 to 12 years. The left side of that offensive line is set next to... um, Tackle Mackai Becton. Uh, you know Elijah Bear Tucker was my 11th player overall. They got him at 14, so good value there. My top interior offensive lineman. I love it. I mean that that is just going to be great for protecting his blind side. Um, you know, and really the the biggest need for Zach Wilson and, and one of the biggest things that haunted Sam Darnold in his tenure was not having protection, not being able to do anything in the run game to give him support. So getting a guy like that to line up next to Mekai Becton. Um, is a phenomenal pick, and then continuing through the draft. I mean, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Look, this guy is special. Ole Miss is known for bringing out some freaky athletes into the uh, NFL these last few years. He is—he uh, is no exception to that. A terrific, speedy receiver who I think really complements Corey Davis well. I mean, it was kind of a receiver that they were almost essentially missing out of that offense. I think he's got a little bit of kind of a Debo Samuel feel to him. So now you take a look. You've got Corey Davis who, thinking of the Kyle Shanahan offense and coming from San Francisco, where you've got Brandon Ayuk as kind of your deep threat, can do those deeper routes like a Corey Davis can now for them, and have a guy now like Elijah Moore who can be just all over the field, Um, And you can do stuff in the run game for you on end rounds. Very special talent there. Um, And then we'll hit on two more picks here because Michael Carter, running back out of North Carolina with uh, their fourth round pick, uh, wrecking ball of a running back. I've seen people have him ranked as high as number two in this class. Uh, I believe, let me just pull up real quick. I believe he was my fourth ranked running back. Uh, let's see. He was Yep, my fourth-ranked running back. I gave him a, a mid-second round grade there. So great value in the fourth. He is a bowling ball and he's going to bounce off guys. Um, that that San Francisco scheme, that run zone scheme is one of the best in the league. So I don't believe that you necessarily need to have a top talent there at running back, but now they've got a couple guys in Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter. Um, run support run support run support good for zach wilson and and like joe douglas said building around him not him having to carry this franchise final pick um the the safety out of florida state i will never get his name right Hamza Naz- nazir dean yeah sorry guys uh, gonna butcher that one still he was one of my top rated safeties um, he was actually so. Let's see. Out of my top eight, he ranked in at number six. So I did have a third grade on third round grade on him, but they got him in the six. The guy that seemed to just slip a little bit longer than I thought. Really good value there as well too. The, this Jets class, like I mentioned, you know, there there might be some picks in here that you're like, okay, maybe we didn't need him there. It really, really what the the draft was for the Jets is they said we're going to get a ton of help for Zach Wilson in these early rounds, and then we are just going to take you know dart. After dart, after dart at the dart board for defensive backs because the Jets secondary sucks. And I liked what they did. Just throwing a bunch of guys out here. Uh Jamie and Sherwood, safety out of Auburn, Michael Carter uh Jr., cornerback out of Duke, Jason Pinnock, cornerback out of Pittsburgh. Um, in the sixth round, Brandon Eccles, cornerback out of Kentucky. They just threw everybody out there, saying one of these guys has to hit. So love the draft from the Jets. One of my favorites. And uh after a strong free agency, bringing in Robert Sala, this is the start of something really solid with the Jets. And I, I know you guys have heard Teddy come on this show a bunch, spoke with him as well, too. Um, he, he's, he's feeling really confident uh, about the Jets turning it around, and I can't see how you, you couldn't feel that way. Picking just four spots behind them, uh, the Miami Dolphins, who did a terrific job trading back from three to 12, 12 up to six, did a great job securing some extra picks for them in this draft class and future ones as well. Um, Really strong draft as well, too. You know, uh, these are some strong front offices being built here in the AFC East. You take a look at the entire division and you think, oh my gosh, the management uh, ability now that the Jets and Dolphins are getting a little bit more competent. We've seen what the Bills have built under Brandon Bean these last few years, and of course, New England, um, you know, really just with Bill Belichick and Ernie Adams and those guys, they've been the, the standard over the last couple of decades. Miami had a, a really strong draft as well, too. Uh, started at pick six with Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. I've said it, you know, throughout the entire draft process, I do prefer Devonta Smith over Jalen Waddell. Uh, both first-round grades for me, but Jalen Waddle was graded a little bit lower uh, just to take a look for for uh, record sake, he was my 10th overall player, so still a real good top talent that you got at pick 10. I would have preferred taking Devonta Smith, my 7th overall player, but I do believe the fit is here is a little bit better. Um, I know they brought in Will Fuller, who's kind of that speedy over the top guy, but they're kind of a little different here, where Will is that big target. And Jalen Waddle is really the closest thing that we are going to get to Tyreek Hill, um, who's come out of the draft of the last few years. This is the closest I think we are we might ever get to a guy like Tyreek Hill. Um, adds value in, in the return game on special teams. Really, really solid prospect. Like I said, still a top 10 player in this class. So they get that. And then at pick 18, they take one of my guys That's I, that, you know, look, should be considered a top tier player in this class. But they're more risks. Jalen Phillips, edge out of Miami. He was my 17th overall player, a first-round grade, but was in that first-round grade where it's a boom-or-bust pick. That's what he is to me. Uh, He does have a a little bit of a scary injury history, concussions, uh, inconsistency. Also haven't seen him play a ton. He left college before, before transferring to Miami. Uh, But no denying, when he's on the field, he's a freak of nature. Um, So, look, the, the pick... Could be a really great one um, if he can stay healthy. Quiddy Pay was still on the board there. And Quiddy, I've loved him the entire process. He was my eighth overall player in this class. So I had him almost 10 spots above Jalen Phillips. So did they take my top edge guy? No, but they did take the other one that I considered a first round grade. So like that for them. And then they followed up day two with some great value picks. Uh, First, Javon Holland out of Oregon. Some people thought this was a reach. I was a big Holland fan, uh, just to be completely honest. He was my third ranked safety. Um, A lot of people had, or sorry, excuse me, I'm getting confused here. He was my, sorry, my fourth ranked safety, just behind, uh, and everybody probably had him three somewhere. I have Jeremiah Wusa Koromoa listed as a safety, Um, so that's why it kind of changed my rankings, but I had Trevon Morig and Andre Sisco ahead of him. Jevon Holland, though, is a great free-range safety. Um, you think, you know, they traded away one of their safeties a couple years back to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Minka Fitzpatrick, trying to get some help there on the back, and they already have great corners. Uh, I think Jevon Holland is a really great fit for their defense there. Liam Eikenberg uh, at pick 42. Um, I, you know, I fell out of love with Eichenberg as the draft process went on, as some guys really impressed me a little bit more. Um, Eichenberg ended up being, let's see, my eighth ranked tackle. Um, so there were some guys that were still available that they, that they did choose and, um, that they chose Eichenberg instead of, uh, but still second round grade on him. I I think for an offensive line that is sort of rebuilding and kind of retooling everything, um, could be a left tackle. Most likely, I think he's best fit for right tackle. We'll see where they try and, and play him out. Uh, but then again, also to a lefty quarterback. So maybe left tackle is perfectly fine for him since that isn't his blind side. Um, final pick that I'll touch on in the third round, Hunter Long tight end uh, out of Boston College. He wasn't in my top 100 players. Uh, he was just outside as my tight end five. Um, I had Kyle Pitts, Pat Frearmuth, Brevin Jordan, and Tommy Tremble ahead of him. Um, but he was kind of that next guy there that you know, the Patriots love those two tight end sets. If they hit something here, that duo with Giseki can be really special. I know I was really hoping Kyle Pitts was available for them at six uh, because, I mean, that just would have been a freaky tight end uh, duo, but instead they go Hunter Long. Pretty good draft. Like I said, you know, the not as great as the Jets to me. I think the Eichenberg and, and Long ones were semi-reaches being top 100 picks, and I didn't have you know, at least Eichenberg I had in my top 100, Hunter Long I did not, Um, and then they had no picks between rounds four through six, so not my favorite draft, uh, but a really solid one, they got really the key pieces that they needed, more help for Tua on offense, and they did so with Waddle, and hopefully Eichenberg and Long turn out to be good fits for them, and then also filling in some holes on defense as well too, on the back end with Jevin Holland, and up front, look, Jalen Phillips could be a freak show edge rusher in the NFL. Um, I just hope he can, can have a healthy career. All right, on next to the New England Patriots, who uh, stayed put at the 15th overall pick and potentially got their future franchise quarterback in Mac Jones out of Alabama. Um, some, you know, uh, the, the big story seems to be, oh, Mac Jones fell from three to 15. He didn't ask to be part of that number three pick conversation. It was a team that fell in love with him, fell in love with Lance and said, fuck it. We'll get up to three. We'll at least get one of the two guys, whoever we do decide. Look between three and 15, there just weren't a lot of teams that were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make the move for our franchise quarterback. Eventually Chicago, like I said, we'll, tr- we'll talk about them soon. Trading up to take Justin Fields over Mac Jones um, is, is, you know, to me the right move. And and by the time new England got there at 15, my top rated quarterback remaining was available and they selected him to be their franchise guy. There are a lot of things to love about Mac Jones. And there are a lot of things to love about what Bill Belichick will do with Mac Jones. Bill Belichick doesn't stay put on what he wants in a player. He looks at a player and says, what are you best at? And then builds around it. And what is Mac Jones best at? He's an extremely accurate quarterback. Intermediate, short, deep routes, extremely accurate, extremely efficient, moves well in the pocket. So, um, you know, we started to see the New England offense kind of shift to this power running offense behind Cam Newton last year. I think we're now going to start to see us peel back a little and go more towards the traditional offense of what, uh, you know, Brady had. And so now we're taking a look at things and saying, hey... Bill got his guy. I, I think that the connection with Nick Saban obviously probably played a little influence in making the move at quarterback, but they needed it. They needed a franchise quarterback. And, and I really do think, look, Mac Jones is a first-round quarterback, and I've said that the entire process. He's my 19th overall player, uh, one of the one of the few guys, um, he's, he was toward the bottom tier of my first-round grades, but still a first-round quarterback. He is better than Tua Tunga-Vailoa. I don't think there is any way that you can take a look at what they've done and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to prefer Tua, who is sure he's a little more accurate, but doesn't move well, doesn't read well. Mac Jones is is far and away a better quarterback prospect and just a better quarterback player in college than Tua was. And so I take a look and I say, okay, you know, great pick there. Um, You know, a couple guys later on that, You know, I I don't love the draft. Here's the thing with Bill Belichick's drafts. It's really, he sticks to his board and he just goes by whatever he says and he he doesn't really make a ton of adjustments. Christian Barmore uh, at pick 38, they traded up to get him my top interior defensive line prospect. Um, He was my 23rd overall player, so to get him at 38 is very good value. Um, I think he was far and away the best, uh, in this class. My next, uh, interior defensive lineman was all the way down at 67. So the gap there was pretty significant. So I think that was a really good get by Belichick there. And then Ronnie Perkins is, you know, just, a, you know, one of those edge guys that you take a shot on in one of the later rounds. Uh, he was a third round pick. Let me see where I had him. He was just outside my top 100. So a, a little bit of a reach there, but at pick 96, Look, Bill knows what he wants in his edge rushers, and he got it there. Um, the guys later on, it's, it's a its a crapshoot. Not a ton of guys that I've spent time on. You know, uh, Ram, Ramondre Stevenson, Cameron McGrone, Joshua Bledsoe, William Sherman, Trey Nixon. Uh, some guys in there that are really solid. Uh, Christian Barmore, like I mentioned, really strong pick. The one guy that I'd say, hey, just watch out for, uh, William Sherman, the offensive lineman out of Colorado. He can play inside and out. Bill continues to find these offensive linemen out of nowhere and turns them into two walls, brick walls uh, for his quarterback. So that's one guy that I'd be like, hey, six rounder, we could be looking in a few years and saying, man, Bill found another gem in the later round. So that's another guy that I think is, uh, is, is a really strong guy for like, hey, watch out for this dude. Final team left uh, in the AFC East. We're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, uh, who had the 30th overall pick added some guys in the later rounds that I'm a fan of. I feel like a lot of people were unimpressed by the Bills draft this year. Um, And look, outside of the top three guys, no, there's not a ton that I'm, you know, overly gushing about, oh man, how did they get this guy at this pick? There was no Michael Carter in the fourth round like the Jets did, or no, um, you know, I, I guess even not even Miami in that sense, but not a ton of guys where it was like, how did they get the value there? But you know, their first three picks are, are, are really solid guys. Gregory, Gregory Rousseau was a guy that, look, a year ago was being considered as the top edge in this class. He did fall a bit, and to me, he did end up getting a, a lower tier second round grade. He was my six rated edge. Yes, there were guys that I thought were better available, but a very solid edge defender in kind of the sense of of really what Buffalo was looking for, that big, nasty, just stockpile, maybe better in the in the run game as opposed to pass rush moves. So was it a reach at 30? In my opinion, yes. He was my 46th overall player, um, but I do understand the fit there. And they went double edge, um, and this is the more valuable one to me because Carlos Basham Jr. was my 7th graded edge, so right behind Rousseau, and my 54th overall player, they got him at 61 Really solid value. I like what he brings as well, too. And I think the Bills, you know, everybody was looking at what went wrong with the Bills in the, in the AFC Championship game, and it was like, man, they really couldn't protect uh, Allen. Allen was, you know, running all around. The bigger problem was is they couldn't bring down Patrick Mahomes. So you go out with the double-edged guys, Basham and Rousseau, and I think that's going to be a really strong duo. And then their third-round pick, the other guy I want to touch on, um, because he was my 100th overall player, and he was drafted at 93 by the Buffalo Bills. Is Spencer Brown, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa? Really good value there for him. I, I know that. Um, I know that. You know, technically, you say, okay, well, he was my 100th overall player, and they got him at 93, so a little bit of a reach. But really, the tackles were were hard to come by uh, in rounds in, in round three and, and after that. There really wasn't a strong list of players there. Um, but Spencer Brown is a guy that I say, hey, top 100 player... Um, I think he has a lot of potential there. He's one of those, uh, you know, low floor, high ceiling players. And for the Bills offensive line, you're going to not, you're not going to be able to keep everybody year after year. So taking mid round flyers on guys that have high ceilings is a really smart idea because you never know when you're going to have to replace one of your tackles. And then, Hey, this Spencer Brown kid, let's slide him right in there. And look, we've been able to sustain the success of our offensive line for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, it, it's funny the AFC East when I take a look at it, just the order I did it in, kind of plays from my favorite to least favorite. Uh, you know, actually I'm I'm gonna switch that up. I'm gonna put no, no, I'm gonna stand put. So the Jets had my favorite out of the 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 division. Then came the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills. But all to me had you know good drafts, decent drafts. I think this class is a really tough one to. Uh, predict just because of of how this offseason was um, and how the college football season was. So if you can get three of my guys, guys that I had in my top 100 players, I see that as a win. Um, And really, all of these teams were able to do that. Um, So, you know, shout out to the AFC East. I thought it was a really successful draft for all four teams. And what a competitive division this is going to be, especially if the Jets can take this offseason and really put it to what everybody expects to have a strong start to the year. I mean, you're taking a look at this division. I expect the Patriots to be back in a big way. Uh, Miami was a fringe playoff team. Buffalo obviously made it to the AFC title game. And now the Jets are starting to turn things around too. So really strong offseason for this division, really strong draft for all four teams. teams, And uh, I'm excited to see where that uh, plays out for them next season. All right, so moving things over to the NFC East, uh, a little bit different of a scenario than the AFC East. Uh, there is, uh, you know, two two drafts in here, two, two uh, draft classes in here that I'm like, all right, I liked what you did. Didn't blow me away, but I understand where the foundation is being built. I understand some of the picks. Um, and then there are a couple that I go, eh, what are we doing here? Uh, so let's start with the good first. Let's go uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles who actually made a draft day trade with their uh, division rivals. The Dallas Cowboys so that they could jump the New York Giants because Dave Gettleman is a fucking idiot and the entire world knew that he wanted Devonta Smith. So the Eagles just simply said, hey, Dallas, we don't like each other. But you know who we also don't like? Those fucking Giants. Let me take their guy. So Uh, Dallas doesn't need wide receivers. I say, fuck it, why not? We'll get some extra picks in there. So uh, Eagles trade up to number 10. They take Devonta Smith out of Alabama. Great value for me. Like I said, seventh overall player, wide receiver two. They get him at 10. Uh, Really, you know, really uh, strong receiver out there for Jalen Hurts to try and see if they can keep things rolling with him uh, as their potential franchise quarterback. Uh, I don't see it outside of being a fantasy-relevant quarterback, but there's got to be some things that teams do like about him. Um, Devonta Smith, on the other hand, I really am not worried about the weight. I think he's going to be a tremendous receiver uh, in the NFL. He, he's just a special talent. I, there aren't many guys that you see look like him um, and, and have the the you know strong hands that he has or the ability to adjust mid-catch or mid uh you know reception. He's, he's a special talent there. So really like the Devonta Smith pick. And then hey, I also love their second round pick getting Landon Dickerson, interior offensive lineman at pick 37. He was my 28th player overall. My second rated interior offensive lineman um, is coming off of an injury here. Uh, trouble you know troublesome injury history, but um, he, he he's a. He's a strong talent. Um, He's going to have a really strong impact on the locker room. And I've said for Philly last year, you could really start to see that offensive line getting older and kind of wearing apart. And they really didn't have the depth behind it to say, okay, well, here's our eventual replacement plan. Landon, whether he's a guard or center, can be that. And uh, I really like the value there as well, too. Milton Williams uh, in the third round. He was not in my top 100, Um, really was the one guy I left off of my top 100 as far as the interior defensive line goes, so a little bit of a reach there at pick 70, but this interior defensive line class is such a shit show, Um, and they made up for it in the sixth round by getting Marlon Tupiolotu, uh, who was my let's see, fifth-ranked defensive tackle. Had him as a third-round grade, so they were able to flip those guys around. So, hey, value in the sixth round, I'll take it. I thought he should have been the pick there at 70. Um, And then the other guy that I want to give some credit to as well, too, is Kenneth Gainwell, running back out of Memphis. We all know, or at least we should know by now, um, that the Frank Reich system, which is being implemented uh, by new head coach Nick Sirianni, that the Eagles are going to be a multi-running back offense. Um, They they enjoyed successful years in Indy with Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Uh, Yes, you've got a talent in there in Miles Sanders, but I don't believe he is going to be a feature running back anymore. I do believe Kenneth Gainwell will get kind of that Naeem Hines role, um, and that's a very pivotal part of that Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich offense. So, Uh, One of my top running backs in the class, let me just see where I had him ranked. He was my fifth ranked guy just behind ETN, Harris, uh, and the two running backs out of North Carolina. So getting him in the fifth round, to me, is good value there as well, too. So a really solid draft for the Eagles, you know, in a few years, we might be saying, man, they really went with Jalen Hurts over Justin Fields, and I, I understand the decision. You just had a messy situation with Wentz and Hurts. You stuck by Hurts, so you feel like you have to stick by Hurts again. But man, if he tears it up in in Chicago and Philadelphia is searching for a quarterback next year or the year after, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Um, but got a lot of help around him: wide receiver, offensive line, and then I you know running back as well too. And then I like you know what they did defensively as well. So let's move on to the other NFC East draft that I didn't hate. Now, I don't love it, but I didn't hate it. So the Washington football team uh, came out with the 19th overall pick and took Jamin Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky. This wasn't one of my guys. Um, You know, I do believe I had him inside my top 100. Uh, He was my, let's see. Fifth-ranked linebacker, got a low second-round grade from me. Uh, so it is a reach, in my opinion, at pick 19. But here's where I can reason with the Washington football team. They know their defense is set. That front four is terrific. They added guys in the secondary. And really, they just needed kind of that freaky athletic linebacker who is just going to ha- you know lead the league in tackles. Almost reminds me of when the Colts drafted Darius Leonard. Um, so really Jamin Davis is going to have a really impressive rookie season because this defense is just built for him to thrive and get a lot of tackles. Um, so I take a look at a guy like that and I think, man, the talent to me, isn't the same as a Darius Leonard, but he fits that role where he's going to have inflated stats just because he's a freak show. And that defense is going to open up a ton of holes for him up front. So I get the pick there just saying that, Hey, look, we know that our defense is great. We just want the guy that'll be the best fit. Later rounds, you could have gotten Jabril Cox, Baron Browning. Uh, you know, Zayvon Collins had been taken off the board at that point. So, I really preferred Cox and Browning over Davis, but I, I can't blame them because I understand the rationale of saying, "Look, we just we think that this guy is just going to be able to run through our defensive line and make stops all over the place." So, like that, uh, you know, I understand that pick. Uh, But what they did later on really was was just uh, cream of the crop for me. So they go and they get Sam Cosme at 51st overall. Uh, Cosme was my fifth ranked offensive tackle. I had him as my 33rd player overall. High second round grade. They got him at 51. Guys were taken above him that shouldn't have been. You know, I was a big Alex Leatherwood guy, uh, but he was taken above him. Um, you know, we had some guys like Liam Eikenberg being selected. So getting Cosme at 51 is a really, really strong draft class. And then the other pick that I love, this became one of my guys as the draft went on, uh, being able to get Diami Brown wide receiver out of North Carolina is to me is the thing that can turn this Washington offense from really good to special because you've already got Terry McLaurin. You've got a solid offensive line. Uh, the running back room isn't amazing, but I there's a few guys in there that'll get the job done. But now you add Terry McLaurin, um, you know, you bring in uh, Curtis Samuel, and now you've got Diami Brown on the other side. I mean, you know, Fitzy is going to love throwing bombs to both of those guys. And it's it's going to be a really fun offense. I'm putting it out here now. It's May 4th. If you don't look at these rosters and say Washington football team is the best in the division by a significant amount, I don't know what you're smoking. They, to me, have far and away the best defense of the division, and the offense skill players are really solid. It hinges on the quarterback position. So I understand if they can't get it done, but just saying roster and taking a look at who is in the organization right now, Washington is far and away the best. And I love Dallas's offense. I like what Joe Judge is building with the Giants. But this roster is, is really impressive. They won the division last year. So it shouldn't be that shock of a thing to say. But it seems like they're not getting the credit they deserve. This is a really strong football team. Called the football team. All right. So let's move on to the ones that I didn't necessarily love. And we'll start with the one that I just will grade a little bit better than the other. Uh, the New York Giants. So obviously they 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 fall flat on their face because Dave Gettleman is an idiot and two years in a row now he's made it very well known and it's been leaked who he wants in the first round then other teams just take the guys that they want right ahead of them because hey if you leak stuff other teams are going to read it and understand what's true and what's not and it seems to be a uh, it seems to be a common theme now that people can't keep their lips shut in the Giants organization. So what do they do? They trade back to 20 and they get a little panicky. Well, we wanted Devonta Smith. We got to take a receiver now. We got to take a receiver. And they go with Kadarius Tony out of Florida. And look, I like Kadarius Toney. He was ended up being my sixth rated wide receiver, but he was not a first round pick. He was not going to be taken in the first round. You know, it seems, you know, there was consensus early on in the draft process that he'd be a later first-round pick, but as we got closer and closer to the drafts, he was not in any first-round mock because there's some character stuff that is a little bit troublesome, and it seemed that he was going to be a day-two pick when it was all said and done. So Gettleman panicked, he traded back, and he took a guy that I don't think he needed to take at 20. You know, you take a look at the needs for this team, and they followed up with their second-round pick and got a guy at this position... But a guy like Quiddy Pay, he's sitting there for you at 20. He was there for you at 11. I had mocked them to 11. And so um, to see him kind of fall or to trade back and then still not be able to get the guy that I thought they should have taken and take a receiver that's a little bit of a risk, I don't love it. Then in the second round, I thought they got good value with Aziz Ojolari. Um, He was my third rated edge guy. Really... Not sure if he's best fit as a a linebacker or if he can put his hand down. I'm going to say probably a linebacker. Um, But uh, production, production, production fills up the stat sheet. Should be a really solid guy there. He was a top second round grade for me They got him at 50 overall. So that's a good pick. I thought he was a first rounder, no doubt. But good pick. He fell to 50. The Giants got him. Um, and, And then in the third round, they follow up with Aaron Robinson, cornerback out of UCF. Um, You know, a guy that, look, I thought was more toward a bottom-tier third-round grade. He honestly didn't make it in my top 100 players, drafted at 71, so I don't love the pick there. Um, And then, you know, uh, the other guy that I'll give him some credit for, fourth-round pick, Edge Rusher, Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa, an FCS guy. Um, Got a lot of love closer to the the draft uh, as the draft process went along could be a potential good edge guy there, Um, but really just not a fan. I I thought it was, it was easy. It was the easiest pick possible at 11 to take Pay. It was even easier at pick 20 um, and they did neither. So don't love the draft for the Giants, but at least they're not the Dallas Cowboys who look to me, you know, There's a real struggle here between power of management and ownership to the coaching staff. And there's a lot of guys on this list. They had a ton of picks, but there's a lot of picks here that I go, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, First off, Micah Parsons at 12. Look, Micah Parsons is definitely the best linebacker prospect of this class and can be a very good player. I don't love taking linebackers as top 15 picks, you know, positional value at this point kind of has shown throughout time that linebackers are one of those positions that you can take as a later first round pick or you know a second rounder so they start off with Micah and the big problem here is is now the Cowboys are just continuing this history of drafting players with character concerns and it always seems to pop its head up at the wrong times with these players and look Micah Parsons I want to give him the benefit of the doubt he was in college. It was a hazing scandal. Maybe it's it's not the story we've all heard it is. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But if the character concerns are a problem, and then they come again once we get to the professional level, I mean, this is a history of just whiffing on some of these players with bad character concerns. Um, and this seems to be a very Jerry Jones pick. Uh, he has complete control over there. And look, last year, they, they went with CeeDee Lamb. It was a really good pick. CeeDee Lamb is a terrific wide receiver. Their defense still sucks dick. And so getting Micah hopefully helps the linebacking core. Obviously, they've drafted linebacker a lot in the early rounds of the last few years and have whiffed um, on a guy like Leighton Vander or Jalen Brown, who, you know, for different reasons haven't performed. Leighton Vander I think, was just had a better rookie season than everybody expected. And then it kind of flamed out. I, people thought he was great. I wasn't buying into it. Jalen Brown, injuries really just piled up for him. He wasn't able to, to make it last. But Micah, good talent i just wouldn't have taken him there and i wouldn't have taken him if you're the dallas cowboys i just didn't think that was the need then following up with kelvin joseph in the second round Uh, look a guy that was in my top 100 no doubt he was my 53rd overall player seventh ranked cornerback Um, really this pick just kind of sucks because i wanted them to go corner um, in the first round obviously the top two guys get taken off so i understand not doing it there but um Here's where it gets really funny. I mean, just all of these guys, their third round picks, Osa, out of the defensive tackle out of UCLA, who? Uh, Chauncey Golson, edge out of Iowa, eh? Nishan Wright, cornerback out of Oregon State. You know, they had all of these picks uh, from rounds three to seven. Let's just count them up. They had three third rounders, two fourths, one fifth, two sixths, and one seventh, and they only were able to land. One, one top 100 player of mine in there. And you know who it was? Jabril Cox, linebacker out of LSU, former North Dakota State linebacker. A guy that I had as as my you know linebacker. Let's find him real quick. Sorry, my linebacker three. 40th overall. Great value to get him at pick, what, 115? Maybe you didn't need to take Micah Parsons at 12 if Jabril Cox was going to be available in the fourth round. So now you've drafted two linebackers here. And look, maybe Jabril Cox ends up being the better one. I don't know. But I just take a look and I say, I, I just don't get the where this draft is going. It seems like they just picked defensive names out of a hat and said, sure, because our defense was terrible. So I I, I appreciate them understanding the need to address defense. I just think they addressed it in the completely wrong ways outside of Jabril Cox. You know, Kelvin Joseph, I, I guess I can stand by, but there were so many better corners available. Um... You know, defensive tackle at pick 75, so many guys that I preferred still available. Chauncey Golston at edge at 84 still had top 100 players available at that position. I don't know. I don't like it. I didn't, I, I you know... The hope is, is you just take all these, like I said, with the Jets and them kind of just taking defensive backs later on. Hopefully, you know, you just drafted a bunch of guys and hopefully some of them hit, but I, I just, I, I would have preferred some more um, well-recognized players uh, because I don't think that there's going to be a ton here that really pop off the page. And uh, everyone I follow in Dallas seems to, to feel the same way. It's getting a little out of hand there as far as these drafts go and who really has control at the end of the day. So yeah, just in, in, in the same order of the AFC East um, with the NFC East, I kind of rank the drafts in that order. I'll give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt with that first one. I thought they really nailed some top players of mine, my number two interior offensive lineman and my number two wide receiver. Um, then I'll go to, to Washington football team. Um, didn't love the Jamin Davis pick, but they got a couple great finds in the middle rounds in Sam Cosme and Diami Brown. Uh, then I'll go to the Giants. Dave, 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 shouldn't have made it that well-known or shouldn't have had it leak out that you wanted Devonta Smith. Um, maybe you could have been the team to to trade to try and get him. I don't know. And, and then Dallas, I just... I, I get going defensive heavy. They needed it. They need more help on defense. But I just think they took the wrong guys at essentially every pick outside of Jabril Cox at 115. So... Um, you take a look at this division. I, like I said. I think Washington has the best roster hands down. I think the best coaching staff is in New York with Joe Judge, um, and, and then Philadelphia and Dallas. I'm kind of like, well, Dallas. I'll give the benefit of the doubt because offensively they're going to be terrific. It's just how bad would their defense stay? And then the Eagles. Um, I don't know. I just don't have a good feel for them. I don't think it's gonna. I don't, I don't think the Jalen Hurts project is going to work out. I am a little worried about the Nick Sirianni project. So I got some questions about Philadelphia, um, but to me, I mean, it just, uh, Washington's got a, a, a team that I just wouldn't want to play. I wouldn't want to be an offensive coordinator going up against that defense. And like I said, if Fitzy can hit it at quarterback, um, this could be a really, a really strong team next year. So that'll wrap it up for today's episode, uh, going over the AFC and NFC East and their drafts, uh, kind of talking through what I like, what I don't. We'll be back. I think I said with the North Tomorrow, so we'll do both the NFC and AFC North. We'll make sure to touch on the Aaron Rodgers drama tomorrow as well, since we'll be covering the Green Bay Packers and their draft. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace for all of my NFL stuff, all of my sports stuff. We have been red hot betting. Um, I'm up 1500 over the last month, so it's been an unbelievable stretch, a very exciting stretch. Uh, so make sure to follow me on Twitter there for some picks and what you know, other sports takes. I always appreciate the support. I appreciate those who subscribe to the Spring Blake 2021 NFL Draft Newsletter. That was a lot of fun to do. It'll be something we bring back next year for sure. And uh, keep on keeping on. We'll have some more episodes out later this week. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.